Right on radio. Right on radio. Thank you for listening to Right on Radio. This is an explosive interview that we're doing. Yes, we are talking to the architect of the Matrix. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is big, and the story takes a turn that I didn't expect. I was actually shocked when I heard some of the names that are brought out and how this thing was created. And that's what we covered today. So today's episode is available in podcast form, as we always do, but it's also going up on YouTube. Now, on the podcast form, you're, he's he mentions a couple times he holds up some paper and obviously because this is audio only in this form you're not going to see the paper but you're really not missing much because it doesn't zoom in uh, very close you just see that he does have actual documentation but the video form does not have this intro so you're a winner either way hey listen to this and then watch that this is episode 51, The Immortals, the creation, architect of The Matrix. Who's right? Who's right? He's right. Right on radio. Right on radio. And welcome back to Right On Radio. I want to thank you for listening. This is the broadcast that we made the special announcement about. Ladies and gentlemen, if we are entering the Great Awakening, your eyes are about to be fully opened wide as we take on this epic journey on Right On Radio. Why do we have this guest and why has this come to us? It is my firm belief it's because God is showing us favor. So I thank the Lord for this interview. I want to make that very public statement right now and we pray for him to give his protection on this because much like many of the guests that we have had on this broadcast, the guest that we have, his life has been in danger for many years. Much like Cody Snodgrass, who is on this program. Much like Jesse, Tammy Reef, who have been on this program. This is a safe place for them to come. And this story that is going to be broken out over several episodes, because it is so big, we want to disseminate it perfectly. But where does this story begin and where does it go? Many of the people who are in this movement of truth that is coming out right now have been using analogies of movies. And we've been using analogies like Alice in Wonderland. And we've been pointing out the direct connections of the James Bond films and the communications that are sending out. But other movies are actually just preparing you for what the deep state wants to happen to you. They're preparing you for their evil plan. And a big part of the evil plan is what Hollywood has been doing. Now, if you've listened to Right On Radio from the beginning, I've done a number of exposés on Hollywood, including the Jonah Reef story, which fits into it perfectly. But we've talked about how they're controlling information and who is actually controlling the movie industry and the news industry, the propaganda that has been disseminating and holding you back from realizing your true thought potential and your spirituality. And we've revealed that to not only be the clowns, but who controls the clowns. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the Luciferian Network, and they do not have your best interest in mind. This episode today, 
we're going to be focusing on the one that really comes out in on the boards and we're living in this time of the matrix where everything around you has been false and a false perception of the world has been programmed into your mind. Many shows have been using the matrix and using particularly the red pill and the blue pill. And, and it's become a common phrase in this movement to red pill your neighbor. In other words, to open their eyes. And the matrix as a movie, even some of the people who made the movies, in fact, a very famous quote from Keanu Reeves, the star of the movie said, it wasn't a movie it was a documentary well today ladies and gentlemen i'm going to be bringing on the actual architect the writer of this movie now it has been in dispute that a couple brothers have written this movie and it was if you read the internet it says it was proven in the day of court but what you're going to find out is it was not proven in a day of court. That actually never happened. So before I bring on our guest, first of all, let me bring on my co-host, Jesse Zaboder. I'm going to leave the fancy titles out today. And just <laughs> no fancy titles. As the president, actually, the president-elect spiritual advisor of this interview. <laughs> Jesse, good day to you. Thank you, Jeff. It's good to be here. <laughs> this show is going to rock our audience and our guest. Yeah. I'm going to read his profile in a second before we bring him on. Uh, I spent about an hour with him last week, Jesse, and this man is in my opinion this is very prophetic mm -hmm. this is what they're scared of because i think the the actual movie only used a portion of his script and it is his script i've got the proof right the, the allegations look it has to be proven in the court of law we want to see that day because it brings out disclosure but if they're scared of the rest of this script because i believe it reveals in such great detail what the Luciferian plan is and people, they don't want people to be awake and ready for it. Right, they don't want people to know and be aware of that agenda and where things are going, so. All right, well listen, we have a great guest. I don't wanna keep him waiting too much longer. I'm going to read his profile that was sent to me by his manager uh, and a little bit of a history. And at the end of this, history reading i'm going to bring them on and i want to start the broadcast with the history of this because it's shocking so his name is tom althouse he's an award-winning writer performer and visionary attempting to make a difference for artists in hollywood his inspirational quotes are online in many platforms. In 2019, he closed a show in New York with the Hudson Theater Company, Caretaker, which is up for Broadway World Awards, including Best Ensemble of a Three-Man Cast. Some other awards include a LA critic's pick for Midsummer's Dream in the role of Demetrius, the Hoku Award for Best Actor Maui Fringe Festival, AMA Award for work in Colonial Williamsburg, Top 20 Making a Difference in Maui in 2013 Award from Maui Times, Top Comedic Actor of the Year 2014 for Maui News. In 1993, he wrote a screenplay that was given to Lorenzo de Bonaventura of Warner Brothers and asked to pitch it fully to him in New York. That became the beginning of the Matrix story and a never-ending pursuit of justice and name of credit for the work. The history, in 1988, Thomas Althus was a communications graduate program student at Christian Broadcasting Network University, CBNU, present-day present Regent University, the stronghold of the American religious right, in quotations. 
the young and charismatic performer was poised to become a leading figure at CBNU until the night he inadvertently became privy to a series of sexual scandals reaching up to the organization's highest leadership when Althouse refused to participate in furthering the university's agenda of controlled secrecy, CBN initiated a silent and systematic campaign to divest their former rising star of his faith, family, and career. Overcome with anxiety and forbidden from revealing the information to the public directly, Althaus channeled his grief, passion, and insight into the genesis of a futuristic and allegorical vision that would go on to inspire one of Hollywood's most successful film franchises. Over the past two decades, as others in the entertainment industry have continued to plagiarize the rich storyline embodied in his copyrighted screenplay, The Immortals. The author himself has been compelled to withhold details of the story's evolution and underlying warnings to humanity. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the secrecy stops today. Let me bring in Tom Althaus. Welcome to Right On Radio, Tom. Thank you, Roger. It's great to be here. And, um, I'll get a little emotional, but after three decades, it's great to have a voice. I feel like the scene from uh, Matrix where they take his face away, and now it's free. So if I talk a lot, I apologize. Well, that's we want you to do most of the talking on this program, Tom. And the way that Jesse and I are going to run it, I'm going to do most of the questioning. Uh, but Jesse really has some deep insight into the spirit and she is going to pipe in from time to time when she sees something very significant and you know in this i i do want to eventually get into the screenplay and actually divulge where this whole thing is going but i made the statement in the beginning that i believe and this is my thoughts the audience is open to your own interpretation and a lot of a lot of this show is really about getting people to think for themselves but i believe the evidence is going to be overwhelming i believe it's going to be revealed why they're so scared (laughs) and i believe it was prophetic that it came to you and you look at your background at cbnu and the stuff there and that's what inspired this and so before we get into the movie, before we get into the evidences and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and feel free to name names, allegations, they're unproven, but this broadcast is news, views, opinions, and attitudes, and all of those things are in there, and people can make up their own minds. So Tom, start at the beginning when you were a prodigy there at the network. Right. I had no idea when I went to uh, CBN University, Robertson's organization, that uh, anything was nefarious or dark. I just, my mom was um, basically religious right, and uh, I was talked into, you know, that'd be a good school for you, it would be conducive to study, and and, uh, you could excel there. So I applied. And in fact, the uh, president of the school at the time, Bob Slosser, called me on the phone and said, are you coming? You know, and uh, we want you here. I did it. I did go, and I found out um, right from the start it was a little different than what I expected. Um, it was very political. We were told things in meetings, such as um, the men rule over the women, basically that God has said it that way. That uh, women are to serve the men. Um, there was this whole talk about uh, Robertson is the only one that lets you know the truth. All other religions and denominations, even Western Judeo-Christianity, is wrong. And he's the only light. He's the only one. And uh, if you're called there, be there. And uh, you're now part of the elite that was formed in the womb to be uh, covered by grace. And even if you sin, you're only increasing grace. It was incredible. It was basically a nightmare where um, already you see the seeds of the dystopian, you know, kind of um, future of Armageddon and, and the hope for it and how you can do anything to anybody 
but you're covered by Christ, and uh, because only Robertson's flock is covered. This idea that we're the chosen and everyone else is outside, everyone else should be second-class citizens, we should be first-class citizens. And in the state I was, I thought, well, maybe I can be the good Christian boy and witness to them. Maybe I can put them on the right track. Maybe I can do things that will encourage them through uh, example. So I started excelling um, and basically uh, a student in a 50% attrition rate school where people were just dropping all the time. There was some scary stuff in the student handbooks that said if you have an emergency or any kind of even life-threatening thing, you call CBN security. You don't call uh, EMT. You don't call any kind of um, outside services. It's all to be in-house. And uh, stories were circulating. So I quickly climbed and I didn't know why I was being uh, groomed and catered to so much. I wasn't a student, but I kept getting privileges and things given to me and being told I'd be one of the elite and you're gonna move up fast and Robertson has his eyes on you. Well, there was a sex ring operating and I didn't know that. Well, and, Tom, uh, just, before, just before we get there, and I definitely wanna to go to that next, but just listening to what you've described, this sounds like Scientology. Yeah, very much under so. Under a Christian banner. Exactly. Robertson doesn't really believe in God. He, he believes in success. Uh, the power of money. He has this thing about the law of reciprocity, where if you know God has to give you money if you give to Him, the laws bind God to give you overpouring. He says, "Press down and overpouring." He thinks he has God in a noose, but he doesn't think God really exists. So he's taking the place of God, and that's why he believed that you know he was going to be president. He actually believes that God still called him to be president, so he rules through proxy through bushes and people like that. He actually has them come to the organization before they launched that endless war, which is his plan. He met with them behind closed doors. And so he's gonna roll through proxy. You'll see Jay Sekulow was actually Trump's, was Trump's personal attorney. I think Trump may be smart onto that, but you'll see pictures of Jay Sekulow standing over his shoulder. That's Robertson's main guy with the Law and Justice Center, who is also infiltrating different countries with this Law and Justice Center, where Robertson gets to have a say like a worm tongue over people in Jerusalem and different countries, uh, Romania, different places, where he then controls the legal staff of different organizations. The FBI is working with him on that. In fact, there's an article with a uh, Brian Fitzpatrick in our area who controls my sister, and uh, he is FBI operative, current. And now he's our congressman also, but he controls my sister with many, many awards. In fact, recently giving her awards on the floor of Congress after a failed 302 attempt on me. That's what's going on. It's the FBI is tied to Robertson, which is tied to Hollywood moguls. And in fact, they say the Hollywood moguls have less power than Robertson and the FBI. But Disney is directly connected to Robertson, too. But you're right. It is basically Scientology. My cousin, Lisa Hilsey, has approached me. When the family was bought off, she came to me as if she was going to help me. She is full-on Scientology. Tommy, you've got to watch these videos. you got to understand. We're all dark. We've all done wrong, including your cousin, Todd, who's been turned, Todd Hilsey. Uh, he did that show with me in New York, and then he turned on me. He is uh, her, you know, brother. And so what's going on, he gets all these awards with Armani suits and things like this and, and dosed with it, and he can't keep from showing it. But she's full-on Scientology, his sister, Lisa Hilsey. And so she was supposed to handle me as the last, basically, person in the family that would turn to me beside my mom and say, here, I'm here for you, I'm always with you. That's a handler. So basically, you can go that far. They work your family in order to bring you down. That's part of the playbook. And they yeah. have infiltrated at every single level. And we've addressed this on previous podcasts mm -hmm. about how they've got the lawyers, they've got the judges, they've got, and Jay Sekulow, that was a revelation to me. Wow. But right. now let's go back into where you discovered the sexual impropriety. Describe how this happened, how you discovered it. Well, I had no idea when I was there that a, a Dr. Bob Shield who um, is a former Catholic priest. It's, it almost gets cliche, mm -hmm. but, um, well, it does get cliche, but the thing is that he uh, approaches me and gives me news site, a national cable program, where I'm the uh, head of it, basically, this uh, segment where I do album reviews for Christian artists, and then he gives me this uh, special programming, and he basically tells his crew, or the, in the uh, studios, you know, let Tom do whatever he's gonna do. Uh, he's, he's, you know, whatever he wants, it's okay with me. I didn't realize when I went to his pool parties and things like that, what was going on. And then in comes Harry Sova, who's now at uh, Liberty University. You can look him up online with Jerry Falwell. Well, Robertson, what they do is they don't get rid of people. They simply transfer them to other organizations within the loop and in the mm -hmm. sex rings. And so he gets transferred now to Falwell University. 
and so our liberty. And so what's going on is this Sova approaches me and he, he calls me to his office and I'm caught off guard. He goes, listen, I called you here because I want to pick you out of the student body because Robertson has his eyes on you for a special, you know, program, special position. So I want to offer you to be my grad assistant, which he says is a great honor. And he has this other guy bringing him coffee and stuff like this at the same time to, to impress. And he says, you can use my motor home. Here's the keys. You'll work for me. All I want you to do is help me work on my, he called this Opus Magnus. Uh, a snips of all kinds of journals across the world, including Playboy. So he'd do little entries on it, which is already through the Library of Congress. So he was going to have me work on that in Washington, D.C. There's the clash. They don't tell you what they're going to do at first. They trap you. And Did, so said, can I interrupt really quick? Did you say it was called Opus Magnus? That's what he was calling it. Okay, Opus Day in the Jesuit church was... Um, that order was known for sex trafficking, and Magnus is a word for high priest. So it's um, interesting that he called it Opus Magnus. This is going to be eye-opening for me then after all these decades, because in Nostradamus, a diversion real quick, Nostradamus, uh, we're finding out that um, Hitler and Napoleon actually carry copies of his work. Now, Hitler had a counterfeit copy, so but they carried it with them. They actually wanted to be that third one as we talk about the Antichrist. And so Robertson picked up on that too. He actually is with Nostradamus' idea of wanting to be that third one. He doesn't believe in God, so he's gonna take God's place. That was part of the stuff I learned from him in the end. Okay. After they were so did he, did he believe he was the fourth Reich? Did he ever yes. use that term? He believed, yes, that he's gonna have that immortality and everything. And what they were planning to do with Hollywood was simulate Christ's return. That's why in this screenplay, which is the copyrighted version, the 1998 version, which was used on set. Paul Martin's come forward now from, uh, he's a fight choreographer for Matrix. He's come forward and said, yes, the script is used on set. They made it up as they went along, the Wachowski brothers, sisters, whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, what they did was they made it up on set with this. And after lifting all the images they thought were cool, including Jack's the neck, which is said they want to do for real and everything else, robot-like agent, they made it up. And then they wrote the script after they were done. That's now coming out through Inside People. Mm -hmm. But what they did too was they were end they kept the same ending. And that ending is integral to understanding what Robertson was doing. So Robertson wanted it erased and cleansed out, but the Wachowskis in their arrogance actually said to their staff on, on set, when they were saying blow up the matrix to end it, because they chop shopped it, lifted all the images that were cool, including these liquid mirrors as security lights and train station things. They they changed into just putting his hand through. They lift all these images they think are cool to get credit for it, to save their career. But at the same time, they were told, blow up the matrix at the end. No, they get my exact sequence of endings. That is amazing. That's gotta be providence because that that's what I intended to whisper through art what Robertson's plans were. In the end, you have identical figures facing off, right? And you have the little girl from train station, right? Mm -hmm. And you see this uh, pulse wave come out from the crater where he throws the one in. You it even kept the scene of the Christ figure, which Neil replaces him in theirs with his uh, getting punched or hit, and he, he palms bleed, drip, drip blood, and he looks up, he kept that, that scene, that's, that scene is right in here. And so what's interesting is um, the exact ending where in goes the crater, the one, the anti-one. Out comes the pulse wave, turning the earth green, little girl points to the sun. So they get my ending. Well, that's indicative of what Robertson's plans are, and they're actually doing it. If you look online, the Toronto Star, they do these media cover-ups where they'll leak the information if it gets too close. They'll do this, pressure release in the media where they'll start to run a story. They just did one on Fitzpatrick to lay off about, you know, try to look the other way about it being operative and a congressman. Happens to be one of my sister. And they did one in the Toronto Star about Robertson and his plan to interview Christ when Christ returns. Now, what's interesting is they didn't say about simulating it, but that's his plan. They're actually doing trumpet sounds in the sky. You can see on the network, they heard him over Jerusalem just before Passover. They were testing it out. And over many different countries now, you'll see the sky start to turn red. Well, the metallics that they're putting in the sky, they can actually change the color. And so it's not so much, you know, as much a doling us down as getting ready for these effects, actually. So they're going to stimulate Christ returning, which is in this story. So they loved it because it was all these innovative ideas, which I think is Providence's way of putting it through. They couldn't stand it. They had to have it, including what Johnson said. They had to have it. Scream, they had to have it because they wanted to do these different things. Okay, so, so yeah. we're going to get into the story and we're going to cover the proofs because there's many, many proofs. Mm -hmm. But I want to do this very systematic to ensure that we get the story out. Now, it was, it was at that time you saw the sex scandals, you saw... Uh, 
the pool parties and that, this is what inspired you to write this movie. Tell us about the testing. Tell us about how this came to you. Walk us through that part of where you were in life and what was happening. Well, it's like Shakespeare in Love. It's actually like that, where you draw as a new writer, you draw from what you see, images that strike you, experiences. Something new that you've never seen before you want to share with audiences. A true writer, and there are many of them out there, will gear themselves to uh, lift audiences, lift what's possible through arts, doing a service, not as a way to get, as Dean Lorenz's wine and diamond promising uh, beautiful women and starlets and money and fame. That's not why we write. The ones that really are worth their salt are writing because they have a passion for their work and a message they want to get forward. And in my case, was through art. So as you said about the documentary, Keanu Reeves is right. They're starting to leak that through now that yes, it was basically a documentary. What about what we're going to see? What happened was Sova took a liking to me because I was rising up fast. So he likes the dirty things that are pure, basically. That's his turn on, as I learned. He's been a little bit upset, but that's what happens. So what he does is he has free range. It's like Jerry Falwell saying, you know, nobody can touch him right? And everybody's evil, they think. So they invite you on a trip. It's supposed to be a lot of people going with me, professors. He said it'd be a boon for my education and my career. So I agree. So we go, he shows up for the day for the trip at my home and he's, it's only him. He says, the others can't be. It's just me, my mother home. So come with me to DC and we'll have everything. You don't bring money, don't bring anything. I'll cover it all. It's a setup. It's a set. They've been doing this. He's a repeat offender. So what happens, I go on this trip and all these terrible things happen. We can go into if you like, I don't know if we can do it in our time, but Bad things happen. He shares. We'll, we'll paint a picture for our audience because this is an important part of the story. This is the genesis of it. So it is. It it's is. important for us to understand it and it become part of the record. Right. This for fans that know the work too, and those that are actually just you know faithful and want to know what's going on. The train station scene is very important. The train station scene is extremely important to understanding what was going on, not only in the Matrix but also in Robertson's organization and Hollywood and FBI tie-in. FBI is very much immersed in sex trafficking. So here is the actual train station scene. I'm just going to let a proof tie in as we go. And this page is um, page number 74 in the copyrighted, proven, uh, predating matrices on set. So you have these liquid mirrors that are used as security devices, right? They lift everything they think is cool and make it into uh, weakened down, watered down, just to have the credit for it. That's what they do. Chop shop it. And so it's actually the security devices at the train station. If you're in the program, you can pass through. If you're not, you cannot. And the next page is very important because it deals with sex trafficking. There's a little girl being pushed forward into the program here. They keep the little girl, but they don't explain why she's being pushed forward. The parents think she'll have a better life in the immortal program. She will not. She'll be part of the sex trafficking without the parents realizing it. But they're promised that it's a meriting program. If you get in, you're, you're made it. That child will have mortal eternal life in the program. That's what it's about. And in the scene, you see a man get cut in half by the mere reforming because he tries to rush in while someone in the program's in there. Now, to understand this is important because this is about sex trafficking too, whispered through art. It's all there. It's all interwoven in what was supposed to be something that grabbed audiences, brought them together, and also exposed whispered through art. Now, I thought this would only reach people in the future. I didn't think anybody would grab it now, but Lorenzo Di Bonaventura, Robertson wanted to get it out of my hands, basically, because Disney and them and the studios went nuts over it. But what you have is you have the sex trafficking. So Sova takes me on this trip. The first thing I know is that, you know, we get to Washington, D.C. at Cherry Hill Campgrounds in Washington, D.C. You can see where that is. And so he has me do the hookup. So I go outside and I'm thinking nothing's wrong at this point. I mean, he's given me some uh, test subjects or uh, information, such as he said when he first arrived, he said I was at Silver Lake, Silver Hill, Silver Lake, can't remember, Maryland. He said, it's the only place you're allowed nudity on the beaches. I'm like, okay, well, all right, thanks for sharing, whatever. So there's little clues he's dropping as we're going, right? He's talking about his help to other people and how he's lonely. Okay, whoa, what's going on? So we're going up, to, I'll say, well, we'll do the work and we'll help you get this done. I'm all geared to help you. And so we get up there. The first thing is hook up the outtake of the motorhome, the RV. I'm not really an expert on RVs. And that's what he counted on, I guess, because he said, here, this is the waste hose or whatever, the hose, hook it up, just hook up the hose. Instead. So I go to hook up the hose and unlatch it, and he had this valve release on or something. So my hands got covered in his excrement. And he sat there, I remember, still remember it clears the bell. I'm looking at him, he's got these glassy red eyes looking at me, just staring at me. I'm like, I need to wash up. He's like, then he got stern. He's like, stay, finish hooking up this thing, finish the job. I'm like, my hands are covered with his excrement, and he wants me to finish the job. So I did. I'm like, disgusted. I'm like, okay, I'm. Hey, okay, no stuff. Something's wrong, right? 
And so he takes his time, we go into the thing, I'm washing and scrubbing. He makes a bowl of popcorn, a communal bowl, one bowl. Now this, of course, people could mock this. In fact, Terry Joyce, she's like a 300 viewership person who was saying, I want to do interviews with me and did like five. We have an excerpt from her from the, uh, from the last communication she really gave me where she says the FBI in California contacted her and that they want to work with her. And other people approached her and she turned. On the anniversary of my son's birthday who had died, she has a switch where they contact. They always do it on birthdays and anniversaries or holidays. So she's contacted and she turns and she starts mocking what I'm going to tell you now. Whereas before she said, this is huge, we're going to keep going, I believe you. They buy them off and they've been cutting hosts now. Their biggest fear is, as contacts say, hosts like yourselves, especially Spiritville, coming forward and sharing the information. They do not want that. That's why you get a long eruption. Right. So they don't want the top coming down, the people that actually have the main stuff. They don't want that revealed. And then they get work going down and chop the rest. So basically what happens is I go in the communal popcorn bowl, right? And uh, basically, too, I want to share this. They will use things like saying you're delusional, crazy. I'm sure you know Jesse these things. Yep. They'll shoot you down and have the family say that to prepare for a mass, like a suicide murder. They'll claim you're going to be a 302, and they're going to do it for you if you don't do it yourself. What they do in the Hollywood, they say destroy you, is take your family first. My two sons are murdered. And they'll do it in ways that get the message across while telling you they are murdered. Or your family paid off will say they just died and give you details where no way they could be there. When my sister is saying where my son was drowned, an expert swimmer and diver, drowned in the bottom of a lap pool on a military base, and she'll say, well, the lifeguard had told him that he knew he'd be okay. Julie Zarko was Fitzpatrick. How do you know all these things? Were you there? Why are you spinning these tales when you weren't there in the death of my son? And they have her paid to call me on his, on the other son's death, my other son. After two years of being cut off, they cut you off and isolate you, you know, your family. And then she calls and says, instead of condolences, she says, you have to say, Tom, this is the death day you died. You have to say that uh, you're uh, angry, uh, bipolar, and suicidal. I'm like, Julie, why are you saying these things? I thought you were calling to offer condolences. We haven't talked in two years. She's like, you got to say this. You're a man in the background. I taped it after this. Going, you have to say you're suicidal, angry, bipolar. I'm like, Julie, who's that in the background? She goes, I'm in the, I'm in the school. She's an she's a elementary school counselor, not even my Yet she gets all these awards from Fitzpatrick, this man right here, who's an FBI operative and our congressman. Why? So what's happening is she's trying to set up the murder-suicide, where if I say it to her, she gets more airtime, more airtime on CNN owned by Warner Brothers, more airtime on Jimmy Fallon's show, more airtime, and she's a whorehound thing. So that's what she wants. So she's setting up her own mother to die. Did you, did you ever have times during that period where you don't remember things where you have lost time because that sounds to me like she was calling and using trigger words that were already pre-programmed absolutely well said jesse boy very good because with the ptsd yes that's what they're looking for you're absolutely right right and i agree they were setting you up and trying to trigger a response exactly and then you can say oh look we're angry that call actually ended thank you jesse that call actually ended with me saying, Julie, why are you doing this? Repeating, she's like, you have to say this, Tom, or else you're saying um, uh, that we can never have a relationship. And I'm like, Julie, you haven't talked to me in two years. You didn't call me on the birthdays. Yeah. We didn't have a relationship. Then she's saying, she tries a different tactic right away. She goes, Julie, uh, Tom, if you don't say it, then you're saying I don't matter. And somehow that was supposed to strike me. I don't know, but there's the core of where she is, right? Success and power. And so I said to her, you can imagine the response. I said, Julie, if those are the parameters, then you don't matter. You don't matter. And we ended the call. Well, but, you meant for the truth. Yeah, you you beat them with the truth. You know, right, why right. are you calling? Uh, why are you saying these things? You know, we really don't have a relationship. So why is why is this dependent on our relationship? Exactly. I don't feel this way. You know, right. so, while you're holding out the olive branch to try to have a relationship, and of course they don't want that. They're, right. I had an attorney from the other side tell me it's called the doorknob speech. I never heard about that before, but he said. The last thing they say is the most important thing. That's why they're having it. Anything before that with but in it or anything else didn't count. It's the last thing they say, the oh, by the way, and they finish with, and that's what it was. So you're right. And now let's go back again. So what I'm saying is if I was bipolar and all these things, the litany of things they're trying to say is why I was trying to say crazy, we've done all this stuff and uh, parasitophrenic, which isn't even a real term, it's Hollywood term. Right. Um, if I was that, I wouldn't be able to track my conversation with you go back to these points and about to go to the Sova trip, I would lose track right away. You'd have me babbling throughout. 
you wouldn't have. No, and they're not. They're not trained psychologists or people who can diagnose mental illness or other things. Literally, they're feeding you a narrative saying, "This is your problem,、mm-hmm. and you need to go along with it." But I'd also like to explore because、um, you were starting to bring out some of Robertson's his own sick. Behaviors and things that he was engaging in, and if you could go back to that, to the popcorn,、um, just give us a little more on that. Absolutely, that's where I wanted to go. Anyway, this is perfect. This is insane. This is good. So yes, we had the bowl of popcorn, and basically, I'm I'm describing this way because I'm trying to I'm visualizing it so I can stay on track. So it's a it's a visual tracking memory system. So that's why I'm going to be describing some things like why they're doing in detail what does popcorn matter. I'm actually setting the stage for myself and seeing it. So you may see me look off the side where I'm looking at that memory. But the thing is that,、um, yeah, we have the bowl of popcorn. He sits down across from me, and he starts to tell me about his、uh, time in Wisconsin as an only child. And these kind of things we can look into, right, and see they're fact, so they're caught. And he said that he had only the animals to play with. He said, and he said that what happened was he was brought in by the Boy Scouts. And when he was camping, the popular kids at school. I'm condensing it, this discussion. And、um, he said they started fondling him, and things like that. And I said that must have been awful. And he said, No, it wasn't that bad. You have to understand, I was an only child, and these were the popular kids. And I felt like I was now part of the group. I'm like, All right, but still sounds horrible. And he said that,、um, No, it wasn't that bad. And he starts telling me that one out of four are homosexual, and things like this. And I don't have anything against homosexuals. And I was in theater. And he brings that up too. He says,、um, "I thought you were." He goes,、um, basically, he says,、um, "You had the beard, the mustache. You、uh, were in theater. You know, I thought you were." And he acts like he has this demeanor that I let him down. He's, he's acting like I'm some kind of bad person that went on this trip with him. He made these expenses, and here I am, and I misled him. I didn't. He never asked me if I was. I would have told him flat out I wasn't. But here I am on this trip. You hear it surfacing now, but.、Mm. But anyway, so what happens is he sets up a thing where he gives me the drink and everything else, and I'm trying to engage in things. And I said something where you may know that you'll say anything, anything, to get off this uncomfortable track, right? And make a connection. Where we can get away from this scary stuff and get on with what may be good, right? That will end this. And so I said, my problem's not men, my problem's women. It, so, so I'm saying that oh, I like women. <sighs> I would never say that anywhere else, but in this situation, that's what's coming out of my mouth, right? And so he gets up, and he goes to the trailer entrance, and he crosses his arms away from me, facing away, and he goes, "Aren't you macho?" I'm like, "Where are we? What's going on? Where's this dialogue coming from?" You know? And so then he turns around, and I said, "This is all born out of a church university." <laughs> yes. Yes, in fact, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, abstinence is preached there. Well, then you know how people use tactics to try to get you to go along, right? He does. What does he use as a tactic? He starts telling me that CBN and Robertson is going to go down. They're going to fall, and only those students with families, only those students that are with professors like himself working for him, are going to make it. Here comes the carrot on the stick, and that、um, his wife knows about this. That they were part of a commune before. He mentions the Michael and Darlene Graves that are friends of him. That they go in naked hot tub parties. He starts talking about my connection, Doctor Shield, saying, "Tom, Doctor Shield, these parties are sex parties. He has his own boys, and you were his boy, and now you're mine." I'm like, "I'm nobody's boy. I'm nobody's boy. I'll work with you, but I am nobody's boy." He said, "Unless you're working with me, you're going down. Roberts is going to CBN is going to fall. It's going to collapse." Then he started. To, then he goes into why. The sex rings. He's talking about Kempsville Presbyterian Church and a David Guyerson. Now, this is the only thing you're going to see online about David Guyerson. Can I? Can you repeat the name of that church that you、Kempsville、said? Kempsville Presbyterian Church. It's either Norfolk or or Virginia Beach or Chesapeake. I think it's one of those. But what's interesting is in this development here, you'll see that he was the president of Regent University for the cover-up after I was thrown. He's also Robertson's key PR man. He made millions for Robertson. It's not a pastor; he's a PR person. Here it is, right here. So this document is the only surviving document online that talks about this. This will disappear. So it even says at the bottom there. Let me read it. 
left when new senior minister was identified and installed, stabilized the, con stabilized the congregation after the loss of previous pastor due to a moral failure. Sex so they, they put another immoral guy exactly in play of, yeah. uh, well, of the, the guy who got found out. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. Jim. And look, the moral failure was he stepped forward before the congregation. It's not a moral failure. He went before the congregation and said, I've had sex with men. I've had sex with the president of Robertson's University, and I've had sex with Robertson. So where does Guy Gyerson go after raising millions? It says his daughter recruited him for, and this is important to say, uh, Regent University, then he's recruited for another place, but the, I'll find it. The thing is that he also ends up in Hollywood. Here you go. He, he becomes the liaison in Hollywood, has offices in Hollywood to work with the movie moguls and the FBI. He's there. Robertson's PR man. Robertson wants to be famous. In fact, that's where it all came from. We'll go back to so is the nightmare in a second. But Robertson really forms into religion and being an evangelical um, uh, tele, he claims himself to be a star, televangelist, whatever. What he did was DD his wife and him, which you never really see on camera. He wants to have beautiful women with him on camera. That's the image that's supposed to come across. You're supposed to like him, Jesse. You're supposed to want him. That's his, you know. Forget your brain, forget your abilities, forget that all men and women are basically equal. Forget it. Women are actually smarter than men. That's why I say basically. But the thing is that he is threatened by women, especially pretty women, so he brings them on to be with him. He doesn't show his wife. He doesn't want his wife. She's a so in Manhattan, what happens is he's trying to be a socialite in the beginning. This is coming out in Toronto Star too. Toronto Star is becoming his laundering machine to disseminate, take pressure off him by bringing out information that might be revealed first in a light that's favorable to him. So that's what they do. So here it comes. So they say that he was going to be this um, uh, socialite, jet setter, whatever the word is. You know, live the high life, him and his wife, collect art, be the, be the it people, all the parties, Manhattan. It didn't work out. Nobody really liked him. So what happens is this pastor shows up who's groomed, has this nice car, takes him out to a fancy meal in New York or Manhattan, um, is has all these riches. And Robertson is quoted in the article as saying, you mean you can have all this by doing that? The light bulb goes off. Suddenly he wants to be a televangelist. Suddenly he wants to be, have what he has, success, power. <laughs> My sister now said. So that's what it was. It wasn't about reaching people for Christ. And he even says in Pat Robertson's perspective that the most dumbest demographic basically in our world, his own newsletter, I guess he's testing it out on his demographic. The dumbest demographic is the evangelist. Really? Evangelicals. God chose the weirdest of people to shock the world, and yeah, I'll count right. myself as one of those. Now, with all of this, did you you mentioned some sex rings? Was there trafficking? Did it get any worse than that that That's you right. saw? Now, let's go to Falwell for a second to answer your question, Roger. You have the um, Falwell coming forward, Jerry Falwell. Right? Let me tell you what's going on. He's not watching his wife have sex with a man. He recruited a boy. He recruited a pretty boy like I was recruited. I had the blue eyes, dimples, blonde hair, and everything, right? You should see me what I looked like then, right? I looked like I was 12. So yes, they like, what they do is they recruit you by offering you positions which are lucrative. So what did Falwell do? Let's bring it out. What Falwell do is recruit a pool boy, basically, right? Offer him position because he wants to have sex with him. That's what's going on. And it gets him aroused to watch me with his wife. That's what's going on. This is not innocent Jerry Falwell watching his wife have sex with a man and get off on that. No. This is Jerry Falwell recruiting a boy, right? Not another girl to have sex with his wife. A young man he's attracted to. So that's the cover-up going on right now. So what he's doing is he'll swing both ways, like Robertson. And they think that's the epitome of exercising that coverall with that grace where you get to do whatever you want. And what's the most exciting for them? Well, if they have any woman they want, they think, next is, let's do the most forbidden fruit you can get. And they call it the forbidden fruit. In Hollywood, they call it the gravy. So I don't like the education I've had, but I'll share it. So what happens is um, I'm recruited the same way. And I will have success, go back to what he said in the trailer. I will have success, everything, the red pill, if I do what he wants, have engaged in sex with him, right? He's so lonely. He's so lonely. I even said, I'll get you a playboy. You know, here's a Christian boy saying that. Anything I'll say at that point. You will. And you hate yourself the same. But that's what you're going to do. Baldwell, same thing. 
His cover story, what is it? It's chilling what he says in the end, because this is the philosophy of Warner Brothers and also Robertson connected. Why are they bedfellows? They're unlikely, wouldn't they be at first glance? Well, here's the reason. Falwell says something, and I'm gonna quote it badly probably, but here's the gist of it. The only reason he's caught is because he wants the good guys. The bad ones are the quiet ones that look good, like you, like me, like Jesse. We're the bad ones, we're the evil ones, because we got away with it. But he got caught because he wasn't as bad as us. There are no pure people on this planet. There's only evil and dark, and that's Warner Brothers' agenda to bring that forward. That's why they have Keanu Reeves in my place. And it may sound laughable to many people out there, but that's exactly what they're doing. Go look at the first insert in the Matrix story where they have the interrogation scene and freeze frame that graphic and look what's there. And what you're going to see is Neo taking my place. You're gonna see this. It's my high school. That's my high school. In the graphic, the first graphic interrogation scene, the one most important to the Wachowskis is Central West High. On that rap sheet too, you're gonna to see Thomas A as Neo. You're gonna see Anderson. Why? That's my Scottish clan name. You're gonna see John A as Neo's dad on that rap sheet, all one sheet. That's my dad's name. You're gonna see July 2nd or July 22nd on the big bold on the front top of this rap sheet. That's what my birthday was listed in records in 1999. And it's corrected in 2003 when they do Animatrix. And guess what they put in Animatrix? A clock face filling the screen. We have the graphics sent to you. What's on that clock face? Not the smiling hands that are usually 10 after 10 in Hollywood, but they are on the seven. They are on the two. And they're one point before the 60. What number is one point before the 60? 59. My birthday is 7259. Then they have the red hand, four points past the four. Red hand in Hollywood means assassination. Red four means assassination. I was 44. So every position is precise to have my birthday and my age. And the caller from the story department that told me didn't want to identify himself. He said he's going to talk to us once the story's out and once people get it, he'll come forward again. I look forward for us all to meet him. So what happens is he says, this is gonna blow the lid off it. And here comes the emotions in this too. I don't know why it's coming now. But here is the birthday, my dad's name, my name for Neo, and my high school. And that's not all. In the column on this graphic, anybody go to the interrogation scene? You can put it up too, Roger, or Jesse. You'll see in the column in bold letters, TA 4099. Why? Why? TA was 40 in 99. They don't miss a beat. Now, if the full thing's to be a joke, what are we missing yet? The other school and Neo's mom. Who do we give it to? Well, let's give it to Wachowskis. Being clever, they want to be clever, the man explained it to me from the inside the story department. This is like, people say, why would they do this? Sophia Stewart was brought in and say, why would they do this? They wouldn't do this. Well, they did. It's right there. They did. It's there. Can't be denied. Can't erase it off all these videos or DVDs. So why is it there? The answer from the inside story man because they hated you. They didn't understand your work. They could never make sense of it. Joel Silver had to explain it, not them. They couldn't. They just wanted it to save their career and be clever and famous and have the beautiful and everything else. So what they did was they tried to be more clever than me, put it right in front of me, right in front of my face. I'd never see it unless a story department contacted me. Yeah. I think it's much deeper than this, Tom. I do too. I, I think it's embedded, embedded spells and, and their agenda and plan. And they're they're actually calling out a hit on Tom with all those Toms. Yeah, you're right because they never they only use Tom Anderson. Why double names for a character? Tom Anderson and Neo. Why the double name? Right. You're right. And, and Tom Anderson is only on that rap sheet, and they call him Mr. Anderson, but you never hear Tom Anderson or Tom A. They even say Tom A. Anderson on the sheet. Tom Althaus Anderson. So you're right, I, I believe you now that, yeah, it would be a spell work because what I understand is they want me dead. And the plan is to cut off my hands, from context told me, cut my hands off for some reason, and I'm supposed to have my head smashed in. That is not going to happen. That is not going to happen. They have no idea the real power structure and they have to go into the throne room to ask. You're right. Well, that's that's brilliant because right now, what just happened? They just announced they finished Matrix 
and had a huge party against the rules of German, National Germany. They had this, they're not supposed to have this huge party, but they did. Larry's in it, get, get this, Andy's not in it. Andy's not a part of it, Larry is. Because Andy knows we're coming forward. And now together we can do this. We can do it finally. We can have a voice. But yes. Where in Germany did they have the party? I don't know if it was Hamburg or Frankfurt, but we'll have to look it up. It's 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 in the, they just came out with the article announcing. Is it at the castle in Hamburg? That's it. Might be. That was it one might of the castles be. Hitler yeah, uh, conjoined with the Nirschbanstein. I don't know where it is. It's in the article. It was just sent to me. And it's like, but it's a great question. There probably is significance to it. Yeah, because there's a not- huge ritual. If it's Hamburg Castle, there there's a huge, like, uh, you know, literally they have a draining port in the mm-hmm. in the basement floor uh, for sacrifices and stuff. So um, that would be interesting to find out if that's where they had it. Well, you just made me think of something, too, is that they time everything. The timing is important to them in that feeling clever. Clever is the currency in Hollywood. If you're clever, you're in the in crowd, if you can be clever. And so this whole thing is like, I think maybe I'm saved for a certain time, maybe. Because they're, what they're doing is when they say destroy you, they take your sons first. This caveman mentality of kill your sons off, you watch them die. It's like saving private Ryan, I'm living it. And then what happens is they tell you, on, I have a contact on tape telling me, your last son's alive because they know you're concerned for his safety. That's supposed to shut me up. But even Aiden, my last son, made this amazing tribute video, did it on his own. They're trying to claim he didn't make it, that he doesn't exist now. They're saying he doesn't exist. I don't know if that's part of the ritual or what, but they're actually saying he doesn't exist. That Terry Joyce that they bought off, the one that, you know, said they got with the FBI and the FBI, she's saying FBI approached her, right? California FBI, right? Just like this Fitzpatrick guy. And so what you got is FBI calling the shots on everything. What's the piece about? A lower, Neo isn't a hacker. Neo in this is a lower echelon FBI agent who's getting too close to everything and figuring out he's an insider. And so in this screenplay, the original Matrix story, the FBI is not good. Well, FBI in Hollywood is supposed to make sure content is cleansed, that they're in a good light and it's favorable to their national security. So no wonder I hit, I was like, this is like um, Pelican Brief on steroids. Because you've got everything in here, including tech. Elon Musk's uh, Neuralink is described in detail in here, in detail. And it also describes the implications of what may happen. If we do these Neuralinks and we become dependent on them for memory and processing, if these Neuralinks get damaged, pulled, or taken from us, we become babbling idiots because it's an exercise of discipline in order to remember and to have the ability to recall events and even facial and even your own family. And so what's going to happen is in the screenplay, they actually have the cord pulled and they kept it in Elysium when they ripped off my stuff in Elysium. When they uh, just ripped out, put out the shard glass that they did and, and they used it to adapt to the Neo character to find the dome. I'm going to put the evidence in that, that was sent to me and that I've gone through. I'm going to put that in and so uh, it's all going to be covered. I could do a yeah. sheet screen share now, but I think that this, the no, way this is going is much fine. better. But I, I just have some thoughts right away, Tom. Um, First of all, they're doing that warfare with you and the deception and trying to plant things because I think they're running into blocks. As I mentioned, they have to go to the throne room or the enemy has to go to the throne room and ask permission to go after you. The reason why they do symbolism, and this is my own opinion, this is my own interpretation of the Bible and understanding the stories, is they put out all this symbolism right in our faces constantly. And, you know, symbolism will be their downfall. But the reason they do that is when they put out their symbolism, uh, you know, and I use like a, a Beyonce or someone like that who's very high up in this. Um, yeah, well, not only that, but their shows. It's And, and people, like 50,000 people show up and they scream and they cheer for it. So then they go, the enemy can go into the throne room and say, look, they're begging for my entertainment. They're begging me to do it. And God allows certain things based on that so that's why they use these symbolisms and stuff like that but you are being protected i feel it in my spirit and i'm going to continue you're you're on our prayer list and by the way our listening audience are a bunch of warriors tom and they're going to appreciate what you're bringing forth today and the risk that you're taking in doing this and you are going to be surrounded 
sir, you are going to be surrounded. Yeah, I appreciate it. I feel like I went through a gauntlet and I only have one son that made it with me, but now we're going to finish it. And the memory of my other sons will finish this. And you know that Sophia Stewart is a plant from USC and she mocks me. I have tapes of her calling me and mocking me about the death of my sons. That's her job. She's supposed to listen to response, as you said. And uh, she called me right to these hosts were cut on the anniversary of my one son again, October 14. And she's calling and saying like, your host interviews are gone. But what you do is you learn the three things they're most concerned about. One is she's saying your hosts are gone, your interviews. They said on an interview, uh, to, uh, host, or not a host, but a contact told me, you've won the chess game because of interviews doing interviews. I'm like, what chess game? You, you have the power now and they're afraid of your power. Well, that means we have a key. So, and then the next thing Sophia Stewart talked about was she said that you can't make the Immortals screenplay. You can't make this because they'll put an injunction on you. And I said, well, that's fine with me. Let them do it. Because if they put an injunction on us, they mean there's similarities in matchups. We get them to court. And if they don't do it, they'll come up with a checklist and see 190 matchups and Kenny Jackson next, no problem. So for the first time, after all the times Sophia Stewart has called me and mocked me as a plant job she's supposed to be for FBI uh, Hollywood, she got silent. Then she finally says, um, you can't have your day in court. The judge will be prejudiced. I said, no, that was all fraud. Everything is there. It was planted attorneys, everything else. We have them on tape, their own tapes. It's like, no, we got complete fraud. There's no statute on that. We'll see. It'll be fine. And then she got silent. She didn't know what to say. But what's interesting is you said something really interesting. You said the work could be prophetic. And you just talked about the architect, you know, about giving permission to do these things. That's why they can't take me out. In this story, the architect does not give permission to the Smith counterpart to take out me. I did not know any of this until just now, but that's what's in the screenplay. So yes, that tells me right there, it hit me like, you may have seen a response, but you said that from me if you played the video back, but it's like, oh my God, that's in the story. I didn't know why I had that in the story, you know, but there it is. The reason I had that the architect doesn't take out um, Neo, or Smith isn't allowed to, is because the balance of the equation, you know, it's not about the field of pods of using humanity for power and they hold up a battery. That's mocking me for my work. I'll show you the field of pods, why it's there. But really what's happening is the architect is using the agents to stir up trouble. He knows every choice we're going to make in the screenplay. You can say from surveillance or whatever, but he knows every choice. And so what he's doing is the agents are supposed to stir up trouble to keep his life interesting. The problem for the immortal uh, architect in the program is that his mind can atrophy from lack of stimulation. So what he needs is the agents to stir up all these terrible things in order to stimulate his mind. The more messy, the more horrible, the better. Of these people outside the program, right? Which we are at the moment. And so what happens is he has a solution. Now, the Wachowskis, that they made it up on set, as Paul Martin said, you know, they make it up as set as they go. They use our exact ending in the end. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to end it. They didn't realize they weren't smart enough to realize that by ripping the spine out of the story and lifting images out of context, any good writer would know, and instantly they said they failed as writers, any good writer would know that ripping out these images would take the spine out of the story. You no longer have the ending working that would be there. It was tight. And so when you get that point, when they're shooting and there's union people on set, and there's a 20 foot rule where you can't be within them. You know, A-list actors aren't allowed to ask them questions because they're using this script on set as we're told now. They're trying to end it the same way. It doesn't work. But the architect solution was there all along. He doesn't need six generations of Zion for those that know the story, uh, the ripped off version. And now the Wachowski said it should have been one. Yeah, this we had one. The architect has Zion set aside with the underground pure people of different faiths to come out at the right time to see him come back as Christ as Robertson wants to do. That way his mind is stimulated forever and he can purge his agents, which he does in both screenplays, right? And their screenplay, The Matrix, was written after they shot it. After they shot it and babbled and improv and everything else and used this screenplay and the storyboard, after they did it, that's when they wrote the screenplay afterwards to have it on record as if it was it. And we have their attorneys on tape saying there are no working drafts whatsoever, unheard of in a copyright situation. No working drafts? What, the Wachowskis just morph it? They just did it? No working drafts. So what were you using? And the thing is that then they said that it's a mute point to ask for discovery, and we have it on tape. They're not gonna give us any discovery. That is fraud, that's no due process. We'll see you back in court. Wow. I mean, you've so, got them on your name and your birth date alone that they use those things. You know, your high school, all the of The driver's that. license. Because like there's way more yes yeah. right they dress me like that's why keanu reeves is being called the saddest man in hollywood that's why they're saying he's the most generous sweetest man keanu reeves is taking my place because i was the one that was being courted and i don't care about the fame but i do care about the justice for my family and my dead sons and i do care about the message getting out that saves our world and the children in it and, and if you're and the actual writer you feel it
and they'll mock me for doing this. And what, what, what I think we're going to discover as we go through the script and as we go through some of these things, the parallels that are just incredible. When you say the architect needed these things for the energy and stuff like that, listen, the, the parallel in life really, we're just going to call it the way it is. It's the sacrifices to ball. That's Moloch. Right. That that's that's how that's what keeps feeding the energy source of, of our enemy. And you know, he's running scared right now because there's a good chance it's gonna be cut off or cut significantly. I don't know if we get rid of it all the way. But Tom, I, I think because we want to keep it under a certain amount of time and I, I think we covered off the first section really, really well. We got some of the legal out, we got some of the evidence out. We've talked about the with spiritual and where this whole thing came from. Next time, I want to get into the script and I want to, I want to. Paint, paint a picture and walk through this. And we're going to talk about some evidences and we're going to talk about how things are playing out. And Jesse, you're going to be really particularly useful in this because we know really what the parallel story is about and why they are so scared. So Tom, I want to thank you. And I want to thank you, Jesse, as always, you've been listening to right on radio, please ensure to share this episode. It's going to be on video this time. I'm going to be posting YouTube links. Uh, we're also going to be on all of the platforms that we're always on share it across multiple platforms because this is explosive. And honestly, this is our protection is getting the information out to everyone. So in the meantime, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor, and make a difference in your community. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio.